This is a HeadGum Podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, Hufflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... Jeremy Cobb, but Amy Meester from D&D Disability calls me Boss. Boss. Just boss. Boss. Yeah. Just boss. Did she specify to say boss in that uh, kind of register as well? Um, Amy uses they, them pronouns, but I don't think that, I don't think that they did. Ah, it's just, just, that was a choice, a creative choice of yours to go for boss. It seems the more, most appropriate way to say mm. it. Mm. As opposed to I like, think- boss. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't quite work the same. That doesn't quite yeah. work the same. Um, I guess we should Mouse. probably go ahead and introduce our guest for this week. Very, very excitingly, this week, we are joined by the creative lead of Blackwater D&D, uh, the mental health advisor for Jasper's Game Day, and a registered counsellor in suicide prevention using D&D. What? That is right. Emma Carlson, how the hell are you? Thanks for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm fucking great. I'm super awesome. Um, yeah, Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Full Prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black! Cake glitches and bitches! Lands in the cusp of a teaspoon? Oh no! On a nat 20. No! You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it! Yeah. We're about to get into something real big now. No, do not be silly. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we will do a quick uh, little notice at the top. We uh, Today we're going to be talking about uh, dealing and handling uh, death in D&D uh, and uh, topics uh, like death and suicide may come up as well. So if that feels like it might be triggering to you, then please feel free to skip over this episode. Uh, you can watch out for us next week. You can catch an earlier episode. You can go listen to some Blackwater D&D. You can do whatever you want. Just go and, you know, chill. It's totally fine if you want to sit this one out. That is... I uh, just wanted to give that a uh, little warning up there. Uh, for I'll give a you. suggestion. You, uh, Cause I don't think I did not realize this was on YouTube until, until literally this past week, Ooh. but you can go watch the video of me on Blackwater D and D where we have like a two and a half hour conversation about a bunch of different D and D topics. Hey. Go check that out. Amazing, and then go yeah. watch a bunch more Blackwater D and D. Thanks guys. Yeah. Come watch my show. <laughs> indeed. Go watch Emma's show. Uh, so, Emma, hello. Welcome to Three Black Halflings. Um, uh, thanks so much for coming on. We always start with our guests in the same place, which is we like to ask, what is your origin story in TTRPGs? What was it? What was the moment that you realized, damn, this is it? 
this is it for me. I'm in it and I'm wow. not leaving. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I was, I came into RPGs a little bit later on in my life. Like my dad played a lot of D&D growing up and used to like regale me with stories. And I dabbled a little bit um, wow. when I was younger, but really started getting into RPG. I think it was about 20. So it was about 26. So like five years ago. Um, and I was in the middle of my graduate degree uh, to be a, um, a counselor, uh, a therapist. And uh, I was procrastinating on my thesis. Um, and a friend of mine was like, do you want to come play some Dungeons and Dragons? And my husband, uh, Tim, who's the DM for Blackwater. Um, we were like, yeah, we would love to come play. And I was like, and then we played a couple of sessions and I was like, oh, this is the best thing I've never discovered before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to become my life now. Um, yep, so yep. <laughs> started playing that with my, like in that, in a campaign run by um, a friend of mine, Adam, who's a cast member on Black Mem uh, Blackwater as well. And then... Um, from there, it was just like a trip, stumble, oh my gosh, I am deep diving into everything about RPGs, whether it's D&D &D or a whole bunch of different ones. I love everything about RPGs. And then as I continued on in my uh, training to become a therapist, um, and as I like graduated school, I was like, oh, how can I marry the two things that I love a lot, my work and RPGs. And then I've started, you know, done training and, and now I use RPGs in my practice to to help, um, you know, young folks. Primarily, I work with teens and adolescents mostly uh, to, you know, rediscover parts of themselves and uh, have fun and learn how to play. Um, wow. by using RPGs in therapy. And I work, as, um, as Jasper mentioned, I, I work a lot with um, young folks who are at risk of suicide um, and other risky disorders, uh, risky behaviors. Um, so yeah, it's an amazing population to work with. And I love, I love what I do. And I love that I get to just do stuff with RPGs all the time. Yes, so it's great. absolutely. Uh, this is so wonderful. And I'm so, so glad we've been able to get you on the show because we, I feel like we bang on about this all the time on this show, which is about how uh, it's given us this ability. And I think it gives people the ability every single day. Uh, just how TTRPGs uh, in general are such an amazing way of rediscovering, like you said just then, rediscovering parts of yourself and uh, and just exploring things and themes that you just wouldn't really get to dig into in real life because you don't really get to make those big decisions, you know, like earth changing, whatever it is, decisions, but it can feel so real and personal and important. And we've, I think we've talked about it a, a fair few times, but just how wonderful a, a kind of gift that is that, that TTRPGs can give you. And um, I'm fascinated to hear about this and just, um, I guess, like potentially a good, a good place maybe for us to start would be just using TTRPGs in, the, in your practice. Was that something that, that kind of you bought? Was that something that maybe already exists in some form and you've uh, taken it on? I'm just really, really fascinated about that because I, I can absolutely understand how that works. And I think it's such a, it sounds like such an amazing thing. I'd love to know how that, how that morphed and then how kind of how that, I guess, how that kind of goes. Like what sort of things do you, what kind uh, of tools do you use? Gosh, we could talk for hours about that. That could be its Excellent. own episode all Excellent. in its own. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> um, but it, the the beautiful thing is like that. So using, you know, we think about RPGs as a collaborative human experience. It, they're storytelling. It's, you know, I, a lot of times I talk about the, I've, I've always toted the fact that D&D &D can be therapeutic, but unless mm. in a very specific situation or circumstance it's not like capital t therapy um mm. so you know i've done some training through game to grow um, which is this amazing organization located in washington 
Um, so they are really pioneers uh, of using uh, D&D specifically as a therapy tool. And I've had the like pleasure and honor to do trainings with them, um, as well as, you know, working in my own private practice. But it's essentially a form of group therapy. So it's a bunch of people getting together, you know, led by a therapist, which is would be a traditional group therapy setting. Um, but rather than using something like a, a, a group therapy process or, you know, CBT, DBT, or whatever the other types of therapy acronyms that you want to throw out there, you're just using D&D. So you're mm. using D&D to challenge the players, to promote distress tolerance, to help them deal with frustration, help them manage behaviors, um, get in touch with emotions, learn empathy, because those are all mm. things mm. we experience in, in D&D. And you're just doing it in a very intentional and purposeful manner. Yeah. So a lot of times you do like you'll have a session of D&D, which will last about an hour and a half is generally the good time for like the therapy component of the D&D. And then you do a debrief afterwards and you get to talk to your players um, as a therapeutic DM and ask them, you know, how was that for you? How was that for your character? Um, mm -hmm. You can kind of straddle the alibi um, and learn things about the, the player and, and teach them things and, and have them discover aspects of themselves through their character. It's a stunningly beautiful process. Um, yeah. And I find that, you know, having that little bit when when players have that little bit of distance, clients have that little bit of distance because mm -hmm. they're, you know, acting out things through their character. It's it's really profound change. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times, you know, our, our characters are avatars of ourselves. Um, so if my character is learning about something, so am I. Yeah, that was such a like. Even just as you were saying it, then like the idea of just being that little bit removed, I can get, I can definitely understand how. Uh, at times, my I've been, I found it so much easier to like get rid of learned behaviors playing D and D than like in normal. Like I can immediately switch out of like even just things like by the way I speak, the way I interact mm -hmm. with people, I can switch out of it so quickly yeah. when playing D and D. And and maybe yeah, giving you access into something that maybe you find hard to replicate in real life could be really kind of life changing. Kind of teach you you can you know you can have those things. You can you can in, uh, enjoy. Uh, all facets of yourself and all the bits that that, that make you up, uh, like you said, if, if it is if it is that that your character is a uh, you know a, maybe a, a slightly enlarged part of yourself. That's always the way mm -hmm. I like to think about it. Is that all of my characters are inside me somewhere, but they Absolutely. kind of represent. Absolutely, they live in there. They live in yeah, there. Yeah, they're just a di they just mm. occupy. They're just a different little bit of me. And then I times like I dial up to a hundred. You know, so Absolutely. I, I, I love the idea that if 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 someone would uh, it, you know is is struggling in in any way that they would be able to find a you know potentially a beautiful part of themselves and dial that up to 100 and experience that like <laughs> it makes me feel quite emotional thinking about it like it's such a wonderful thing well it's even like you know i think of you know players who are sitting at social tables rather than therapeutic tables you know there are things mm. that we work through as players like i think about myself you know my current the current character that i play with blackwater right now um nepentha who's a, a grave cleric um i was a lonely kid growing up i was like only child. There were no kids on my street my age. I didn't hang out with a lot of kids when I was growing up, had a hard time making friends. And playing Nepi, um, who also, you know, was quite, you know, close. She was essentially, she's like, she was like a nun. She's a, she was like a, a kind of a sequestered mm. nun in an order and then now is out exploring the world. And so she was lonely growing up. Mm. So I got to work through a lot of my lonely kid stuff through my character and that's just at a social table not to mention like not even yeah, what like yeah. I sat down at you know would have sat down at a therapeutic table so I think we we everybody works through something um as you know through their mm. character whether that's you know issues with their parents issues with our siblings you know the ways that we've interacted with the world 
that have brought us to where we are come out through these characters. And D&D is just a microcosm of humanity. Um, so, you know, you're bringing your humanness to the table. And that's what makes good D&D is the like the humanness that you bring to the table through yourself. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm curious for two things, actually. One, how many uh, how many clients do you work with at a time? Like how basically how big is the party mm. in any given uh, D&D game? And then I guess the second question is, if if it wouldn't be too much, could you give like a hypothetical example of like a D&D scenario, like a therapeutic D&D scenario oh, that you might use? Yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so usually I would keep the for myself, like it really depends on what the DM's comfortable, the therapeutic DM's comfortable with. Um, so for me, I would try and keep the party to three or four because um, that way I can have focus on each cl- on each client. There's always a little bit of a spotlight moment. Five mm. always gets wild. <laughs> five is five is just a lot. Five is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I even think about like group therapy myself. I would rather do group therapy mm. for a smaller group. Um, so, you know, and that really promotes like into the party working together. It gives time for conversation and role play um, also makes combat go by quickly because, um, you know, six people in a combat is a, is a lot. It takes a long time. Yeah, it's a long time to do, you know, 30 seconds of, of anything. Um, so, yeah. So uh, let's say, for example, you know, I've got a couple kids at a table um, and one of those kids is working through has a really hard time with uh, impulse control. So they have a really hard time like methodically planning going through any sort of like planned things that they like taking steps breaking things down into sub goals and stuff like that so maybe they would be someone in that they'd be the kick down the door person so they would rush Mm. up to something or they would start with violence they would start Mm -hmm. and like charge into Mm -hmm. combat when necessary like you know you probably could Leroy Jenkins absolutely the (laughs) Leroy Leroy Jenkins Jenkins of the party yeah Yeah, for sure so what I would probably do in that scenario is set up situations where planning and um, you know, taking time and thinking through and maybe talking through a scenario or talking through a, an encounter would benefit that person, the, the player and the party more than if they would go like strictly to like combat scenario or just to kick down the door um, and, you know, offering consequences when that, you know, if they if they did kick down the door um, and, you know, trying to set up a situation where this player gets really rewarded for the thing that is difficult mm. for them. So mm. we're trying and mm. constantly, you know, working towards an approximation of that being like a really, you know, a good encounter that feels good for the, the player and the character. So that would yeah. be kind of like a really, really simple one. And then you do that within the course oh, okay. of like a campaign and you, you track their behaviors and kind of what is difficult for them. And you talk to them about that afterwards in the debrief, but like, how was that for you to talk to that NPC or talk to that villain first before you charged in with rather with your mm. sword and, and hearing what the player is going through and experiencing or their characters going through and experiencing. And you can really get a sense of like, does this person kind of, is this clicking? Is this kind of moving forward for them? That's, that's really cool. I think that's generally like, that's good. That's kind of good advice. Just generally, I think for DMs anyway, the idea mm-hmm. of taking, <laughs> you know, giving your players scenarios in which they're going to have to not do the thing that they do. Do you know what I mean? Like giving mm-hmm. them the ability growth, to for do. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and promotes the, the branching out and giving yourself more scope and more complexity to your character and things like that. 
I was actually really fascinated as you were talking through that. I, like, how does the um, like character creation and uh, like oh, uh, so good, you know, like session zero e type thing? How does that go after that? You know, yeah. And some of the kids that I work with, you know, have played D anD D before, and some of them haven't. Um, so they'll, you know, some know more than than others about you know character creation and session zeros for therapeutic. Um, tabletop RPGs uh, or therapeutically applied RPGs um, often consist of like diagnostic interviews or at least a sense of like what is actually, you know, we talking to the parent if I'm working with a young person or talking to the young person themselves about like what some of the presenting concerns that way. So that's kind of like one portion mm-hmm. of the what I would call sessions here, like an individual interview, um, setting up some rules and boundaries and guidelines for play and what it, what it's like to play at a therapeutic Dungeons and Dragons table. Um, Mm. And then also going through character creation. And, you know, I've had some young folks come in and they are the quietest, shyest person, barely say two words. And they're like, I'm going to play a bard. And I'm like, yes, let's yes. do it. Like, let's yes. have you the charisma of like 18. Let's have you be <laughs> yeah. the face of the party. This is awesome. It's like the one time the DM's going to let you just pick your stats. Like, yeah, you, 100%, you, you take like, that you, you put whatever you want charisma. down there. <laughs> um, and, or, and then sometimes, yeah, you'll have like the player, you'll have players play like opposite to form or you'll have players play like true to true to exactly. They're like, I want to be a barbarian. I want to kick things. And I want to kill things. And it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> And then it's about adapting, you know, looking at the dynamics of the party and um, and the players who are playing together and, and trying to come up with encounters and situations where, you know, this party's working together, they're cooperating and everyone has opportunities for growth. But yeah, a lot of people, I find people I tend to play either opposite to what they come mm-hmm. to the, as, as a person, what they come to the table with or exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, sure. there's really no middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it provides yeah. the perfect, you know, I think no matter where you play D and D, the moment that the barbarian stops, thinks for a second and uses their words is always a great moment at a D and D table. Like it's, it's always a beautiful moment. Uh, yes. It's usually a few sessions. Like it takes a little minute to get there. But we, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you do get there. <laughs> and the, re- the, re- the results are pretty, Varying, dep- like it's pretty <laughs> role dependent. Yeah, with, yes. with, their, uh, with their low charisma, it's uh, free yeah. role dependent. Yeah, <laughs> for uh, sure. I'm also curious, how long do the campaigns normally last? Uh, it depends. Mm. It depends on what like you've set out for and at the outset of the of the like course of therapy, whether it's eight sessions, ten sessions. Um, usually, eight to ten is kind of what I'll run with generally. Yeah. Mm. And then sometimes you have players leave because of extenuating circumstances or scheduling. Um, But generally try and like to keep the party together for that amount of time. Short little like mini campaigns. Well, first of all, that sounds like a lot of additional like work, because I assume that you're having to write uh, campaigns for every single one of these parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like, that's an amazing amount of work that you're putting in. It's, first it, of all. But it's a labor of love, right? Because you become yeah. like, I think it's, you know, as every DM does, you love your players and you want to f- see them shine. And, you know, mm. um, I always like trying to remind players that like your DM is secretly out there rooting for you. They just truly are. Um, even if they don't show it, they're out there rooting for you. Um, so yeah. as a, as a therapist, I always root for my clients. In the game, That's all it is. They're just trying to put stakes in the game. So they make it look like they're not rooting for you but they absolutely are just as gassed when you roll a nat 20 100 percent, 100 percent. they're ga- maybe gassed in a different way but like they're they're yeah. they're stoked <laughs> on it yeah. um but yeah. you know as you care for your client as a therapist i i have so much care and and you know and compassion and um put my heart into therapy with all of my clients so i just get to do that in a beautiful way and we get to tell a story together which is really awesome which is so mm. cool 
Yeah. I, yeah, mm. I, I already, I feel such a like sense of pride. Like I, I have the, as the, the halflings probably know, because I've told a few tales at the table and things about them, but like I have like the chaos group, uh, which we were called, they were called the Dragon Boys for the longest time. Yes. And I remember the time when they became Dragon Boys to men because they mm. did something and I was like, oh, you've Beautiful. done it. You finally, because like none of them really knew how to play D&D going in and they finally did the, th- and I was like, I'm so, like, I can't imagine how overwhelmingly, uh, amazing it must be for you to do this with young children and that like in, or young people in that scenario because I want to cry when my players like you know th- they use an action and a bonus action the right way and crit on it you know what I mean like, yeah. I can't imagine actually changing someone's life whilst that's happening it must be absolutely unbelievable but as a DM you are changing someone's life <laughs> like you not are not in the same way but yeah but I, I, yeah absolutely it's, it's, it is just an amazing it absolutely is just an amazing experience um and like uh, as I said, we could talk for hours about that. 100. Yeah. percent yeah, do a yeah, whole episode a whole... on mental health and D and D. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. That's a whole thing. Well, I had another question actually do about, uh, and I think this could segue us into a larger topic, mm. which is uh, how do you handle in those in those games? Mm-hmm. How do you approach the topic of player death, or see, not player death, but PC death yeah. or NPC death, mm. with reverence and care, with reverence and care. Um, because death is every, like, death is hard regardless of, you know, in D and D death is hard regardless of whether it's a, um, an NPC and, you know, or a PC as, especially, but you, when it's in a therapeutic group, you have to really consider that a lot of these kids are coming in with, with stuff. And I mean, as everyone does, everyone comes into the table with their own preconceived notions about death and, and what affects them personally and, and how they exist in the world in relationship to death. Um, but something, you know, we provide a lot of space for it. We talk about it. We debrief it. Um, we, you know, we, we honor that grief comes in waves and that you may grieve, you may grieve for the party will grieve for the players mm. will grieve. Um, or, and you celebrate, you celebrate the life, you know, especially if the, especially if the character doesn't come back. Um, but generally characters come, I know generally in my world characters come back, um, or there's <laughs> a way back to them. And that's, a, that's on every mm. different DM. Um, but we avoid introducing, if there is a new character, we avoid introducing a new character immediately. We give the party some space to breathe. We honor that character, whether that's through a funeral or a quest to go bring them back um, or get their soul back. It's uh, you, you know, character death doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, so we we have to honor the fact that that there are going to be ripples at the table with the both the players and the characters and that's not just at a therapeutic Mm. table that's at like every table um Mm. so you have to as a dm show the impact of the death like create meaning and purpose and draw stakes from it there has to be some sort of narrative consequence for someone dying yeah Mm yes yeah Yeah. this, I was going to say, this is a very good segue, Jeremy. Well, great segue. <laughs> <laughs> Excellently done. Um, I bought the limited edition segue just for this. Just for, just this. for this episode. Uh, thank you very much for doing so. I, I, it's funny, uh, in my own experience, I feel like there, there, like there needs to be like a whole thing on like you know like a chapter somewhere or a couple of a, like a whole chapter about dealing with it because I remember it was when I first had like a PC death in my campaign I like so wasn't ready for the emotional weight that I would feel mm-hmm. like as the DM I was kind of expecting that I'd be like just trying to like hold the floor and give uh you know make sure I give the player like plenty of time to like say their dues and do the thing and I 
I remember I felt floored by just like because I was seeing what it meant to the, the the party and then to the player themselves that I I it was such a it's such a um, a strange experience. I think the first time when when I really wasn't expecting it, I think mm-hmm. now I'd be able to deal with it like a little bit better. And but like I think back to it quite a lot, being like, did I, did I give the right amount of space? Because I know that I felt, I I don't feel like I was prepared for mm-hmm. it. Like I don't feel like I was ready to, <laughs> for that moment to happen. Because I think most DMs, most games don't really tend to have PC death that often. It's very rare unless you've really stack to combat or you're in like the big boss fight type thing that you you do get it mm-hmm. um so i guess like what would your advice be for someone who is starting out or maybe even wants to run like a really difficult campaign because you know that's something that i know i really enjoy doing mm-hmm. is running a difficult campaign and if you do that you're always riding the line of potentially having pc deaths mm-hmm. um so what would be your advice you know t- how would you prepare i guess as a dm kind of for the potential uh, uh, for that, for yourself as well, because like you're attached to these characters and you Absolutely. want them to do well, and you know they're my babies, um, and yeah. <laughs> you want those you want those characters to do well. So like I I don't know after a lot of thinking and pondering, I've kind of come up within my brain the like what I call the six pillars of death in RPGs. So there are six things that influence how folks deal with PC death at the table, Mm. even NPC death. But like we're talking like important NPCs, PCs Mm. primarily. The first thing is who died. So we have to answer the question of who died, Um, because often what I find is that if it's like if it's an important NPC, it ripples differently than a than a PC. And even a villain's death impacts the table as well, depending on how that happens. Um, And often what I find is the first death at a table often sets the tone for how death is dealt with for the rest of the campaign. I think of, um, Mm. I think of the first death that happened in the Blackwater campaign. So this is when it was still a home game. Um, and there was, you know, six or seven of us sitting around my living room. Um, and one of our, our monk at the time, you know, he was a man out of time. He'd been frozen in time, uh, displaced and his family was long gone. All of his people were long gone. And we went into this big boss fight and he had come up, to um, my cleric, Nepi, and said, Nepi, if I go down, don't bring me back. I don't want to be here because my family Boy. is gone and I'm not the choice. And, you know, my my sweet my sweet cleric just was like, no, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to go into this battle. Everything is going to oh, be no. okay. <laughs> so we go into this battle and it's so harrowing and so hard. I think we were level seven or eight at the time. And we were fighting this like really powerful wizard. And he had summoned like a chaos elemental of like, it was like fire, uh, water, earth and air. And it was just like this giant, Mm. big elemental had come up and ripped a a hole through the plains. And, you know, when the, we managed to kill the wizard and we managed to destroy the elemental, but the, when at the, the elemental's death, it exploded and our monk oh, was yeah. right there and he oh. failed he rolled like he failed a death save and then rolled a nat one on his oh. fi- on his second death save oh. so we had this moment where mike like we get out of combat and Neppy runs over to Torin, the character shout out to adam for for just playing this so so well who's the other player that i was playing this with and Neppy like drops to her knees and she's like holding the diamonds in her hand and he's dead he's like dead dead and she's like I, you asked me not to, so I'm not going to bring you back. 
And so Yo. she has God, to deal that with that so choice. Heavy. <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. That is, I'm fully into this. Yeah, wow. <laughs> this sounds like a movie, bro. Like from the moment, it's like, don't bring me back. I'll be honest. That, that sounded like some Jeremy Cobb shit. That did. Like that was some Jeremy <laughs> Cobb DMing right there. Like, like, yeah, he would do that. Yeah, it's wild because like there was six or seven of us around in my living room. We were all weeping. Weeping. Like yeah. <laughs> Tim, our DM, was weeping. Adam was crying, and then our characters had to deal with that like we buried him and we had a funeral for him and our like he was a follower of one of the gods that are um another we have two clerics in our party um and consequently they're both married uh they're married so uh, (laughs) yeah nepi and kokanee and kokanee is the cleric of arathis who's like the god of technology and civilization Mm. um and Nepi, my, my cleric, she's the the high priestess of the goddess of the moment between life and death. So in our campaign, Raven mm-hmm. Queen is gone. Well, not gone. We, there's problems with that. But like mm. Nepi's goddess um, helps people transition. So she was like starting these like very elaborate burial rituals and like getting him ready. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't do this. This he doesn't follow my God. So like passing that over to our other cleric who's having to go through his like first funeral rites. Whoa. So like it just rippled through our party and then we buried him and, you know, our party's walking back down towards the city after this big battle. And, you know, this group of like kids runs by and they're like, who are you? Like, what are you, what are you, what is your group called? And in that moment, we took Torin's last name, which was Blackwater as our party name. Oh, so, damn. And yeah, so like oh, so yeah. the first death at the table has ripples through the entire campaign. The entire campaign. Um, Jeremy is like so in love with this right now. <laughs> I wish everyone could see his face. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. Well, if you want to know more about our campaign, it's all on YouTube. You can go yes. watch it. Um, yes, y'all got to go check this out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go check out our episodes of Chatwater where we talk about all this because this wasn't streamed. Um, but so like, and I, I think about this because it's like when we think about who died as children, we're taught that our PCs or the, the characters we love have plot armor. Like every Disney character, we have Ooh. that's where we learn this from. We have plot Ooh. armor. And I remember for me, one of the first deaths that I really resonated with that was like, oh, this is something is different about this was Boromir in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. So that's like yeah, one of the first PCs so that you have that's like, oh, my God, that character just died. Like what? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so yeah. when's we, Boromir coming back? And he's just not. Yeah, <laughs> and you have it's just to, a and you flashback to, if you watch the extended edition. That's exactly. It. Yeah. And you have to and you have to <laughs> process that. So so that's the first death. I mean, if we think of you know the the fellowship of the ring is like the the ultimate D and D party. That's like that's mm. the first death, and we, yeah. we we see that ripple through the rest of the campaign. You know, I will actually throw out as well. This is you've spoken something that's just rung so true for me, uh, which is about like how the first death sets up. Uh, Jeremy, I'm thinking about the campaign we did uh, mm. because the first NPC death we had was a very big one. Led one of the most like fun loving like bard characters to just go full like rage mode and yeah Liam Neeson in Taken yeah Absolutely. yeah she just took off out of the room and was like I'm finding whoever's responsible and was just like on a warpath for like a day and ended mm-hmm. up setting in motion like a lot of things which were going to take several sessions and but mm-hmm. it's so funny because then the uh, one of that group then one of the PCs from that group and died maybe like six to ten sessions or something later. It was around that, I'm, I think. Maybe even mm-hmm. less. 
And the exact same reaction then happened with with Dennis, with Jeremy's character. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and it was, and I, I, it's so funny because I really feel like, yeah, it it was almost like it's almost like set the tone. It set mm-hmm. the the kind of precedent of like the world and the world we're in. And and I remember, I I I, I kind of now I'm like I'm actually re really kind of. Ha- like happy that sounds awful but like I'm like happy, happy that was the tone that was set because it felt yeah. right for the setting and it felt right for the um, the uh, what I was trying to create and it makes me kind of glad because I'd planned that NPC death so I might even potentially offer that as like a bit of advice like do you know what I mean like if you're going to if you're running a high stakes and tricky campaign maybe giving yourself the grace of like really being able to control the scenario with like an NPC death is maybe better than having to like wing it with like a PC Mm. which might happen in like really unceremonious circumstances you know what I mean absolutely and death death brings stakes to the table regardless Mm. of of what of how the death happens death brings stakes to the table it reminds as it does with us as humans it reminds us of our mortality it reminds us of Mm. our character's mortality so so that coming into a game you know really will kind of shock the players back like death can't be inconsequential um Mm. you know dnd is not great i mean it has so many mechanics around death and healing like there's eight or nine different classes and subclasses that can heal so like what does that say about our fear of mortality, right? Mm, like if there's mm. so many different types of characters that can heal, um, even wizards with an, with a high enough spell, with a wish spell, you can bring someone back, mm, right? True. So like if you, yeah. it, it, I think there's, there's, um, there has to be, d and not great at their like mechanics around death. So the narrative consequence often is what, what plays out at the table sure, and, and not, sure. so not, it's, it's not just who died, it's how they died. Right. Because we mm-hmm. consider the difference between like a heroic death with someone like dying in battle or death serving a higher purpose or a tragic death, not because it's important, but because it's inevitable or mm-hmm. like based on a weakness or flaw in the in the PCs, you know, a poor choice that led to their death. Um, and the big thing, you know, at the table, you wish to avoid random or accidental death. You don't want to yes. avoid pointless death at the table. Yeah, yeah. You um, don't want to take falling damage and that be the end of the road. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Unless it's unless it's uh, campaign one of Critical Role yes. where what is it? Keela turns into the a key goldfish. Fish moment. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something something I really appreciate, and I think um, you know our, our DM Tim does this really well at the table um, is avoiding you know a, considering what your character would die or risk of their life for um and if there's a death that occurs at our table there's generally a way back at it there's only mm-hmm. been one time in our campaign where you know tim has killed a character outright outside of mechanics but that's because it was essentially written into a character's backstory that there was a way to kill him um sure. like a chekhov's gun kind of situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's there's a narrative there's a narrative piece and and an extra step that is done before that, you know, bringing that character back. There's always a way back from it, whether that's, you know, healing magic, resurrections, going and, you know, getting a soul. Uh, in this case, it was the, the you know, the, the big bad at the time and a, a lich had, you know, his his heart was could essentially was like there was a curse or something placed on on Kokanee's heart and the lich took it, teleported mm. it out of his chest. So he was dead. Whoa. Yeah. But because that was the, the, the gun, the Chekhov's gun that was built into this character's backstory. But, mm. you know, but Tim had it so that the goddess that this, you know, that Kokani served, Arathis, essentially put him in a stasis. And then we were on a quest to go get him a new heart. 
because there was one and we had to go get it. Um, so we went on this big, you know, big side quest to go get him a new heart. And, you know, the character, the, the player who played Kokani, Matt played an NPC, a different character for that couple mm. those couple sessions. But there, there's there should be there should be a way back yeah. from death. Um because killing people outright isn't fun. <laughs> like killing yeah. people outright for no for no reason isn't fun. <laughs> and I think it, it always feels a little like normally I think it's very rare unless a player wants to play a new character or mm-hmm. you know absolutely. So like so for instance in the instance where I had a PC death, the first thing I did was like, hey, look, like, do you want to bring this character back? Like, you know, we had that conversation like straight away, like what in what scenario, and we kind of worked out something that we felt like felt appropriate and etc. Um, and I, I think that as I was thinking about this, like building up, knowing knowing we were just going to discuss this, I, I the thing I kept coming back to, and I'd love to like get your opinion on it, Emma. I was like, I was like, I think what I would do is like, I would always offer a way back, but like at what cost? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that's mm-hmm. like the thing that really excites me as a DM and as a player of being like, the is there potential for like the the cost to to the outweigh the benefit almost? You know, mm-hmm. if if there's mm. going to be other lives at stake, like if you're going and hunting down a lich, are you going to risk releasing that lich like on? Yeah people on towns on do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like are you gonna really are you gonna go through all of this time instead of doing the thing that you need to do to like save the, the you know the, the kingdom or the realm or you know things like that and i think that's a good way or at least i feel like it feels like a good way for me to allow there to be stakes mm-hmm. but without lessening the enjoyment because i definitely think that it'd be very easy like if jeremy just killed my character like on a whim because of like combat and i'd spent months like honing this thing and making it and shaping it and sculpting it i'd probably feel really like just gutted but not in like a fun game way i'd just be like oh right they're just that's it they're just oh right okay they're just dead well because your agency has been taken away right you don't have choice anymore so that's one of the other pillars is like the agency and autonomy of the players to make decisions about their characters which often works Mm. bi-directionally i think with the dm so Can like you list the the, the pillars the by the way because yeah, i'm yeah, yeah. writing them down um, and i was like so oh. there's there's who died and then mm-hmm. we, we talked about that one how did they die um and then the next one here is the agency and autonomy of the players um so like how much choice and trust is there in the game um mm. uh there's also investment and immersion at the table uh in world culture of death and out world culture of death um so the, um, okay. the agency and autonomy one is like the consequences of death need to be a conversation between the DM and the player, as you were talking about, Jasper, like they need like, is their story finished? Is there like, you know, and if the if if they're not is the path to bring them back, like they may not be the same when they mm-hmm. come back um, in some way, shape or form, you know, and some people can't deal with that in the context of fantasy escapism, which is what D&D is. And like, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But that needs to be a conversation ahead of time at the table, yeah. because um you know, like, I think the, the the discussion of, like, the soul returning to the body that has to be the player's choice is a huge moment of consent. It's like, mm. are you okay with this death? Mm. Is this something you're all right with? Um, or do you want to come back? Because if, if you know, even if if the... Say, for example, um, I'm in the, in the example I provided before of where, like, my cleric was trying to bring back our monk. Say she had tried to revivify him mm. uh, in that moment. You know, at the end of the day, the player... Torin, Torin's player Adam has the choice of whether Torin was going to come back or not. Yes. Um, yes. So that's mm. that's the consent piece, and there has to be trust at the table that that's going to work 
through the way it needs to be. And like what, even just like what an incredible narrative moment to then yeah. turn around mm-hmm. to Torin and say, Torin, you feel your friends calling you and pulling you back in one direction and you see mm-hmm. your, family your family and your loved ones ahead <laughs> of you. Absolutely. Which direction you do go in like that? I mean, I literally just got tingles. Like, do you know what I mean, yeah, like that's just right. like what a moment to give your player, you know, and then give the rest of the table if they then go towards their family, like, I'd be like yeah. floored by that. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, what? What? No. <laughs> or what if he comes back and then is is resentful Absolutely. towards your character because he's like, I made this decision, but also I'm mad at you. You should never have put this on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Absolutely. And, like, rough. and the more agency and autonomy the players have about their character death, the more comfortable they are with the process. They're not necessarily, it's not necessarily an easier process, but they're more comfortable with it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the kind of agency and investment piece. I also think like the, the, I, what you're saying about agency as well, it's like a lot of it for me is about like the players knowing how bad a situation they're getting themselves Absolutely. into. Absolutely. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Mm. Like there has definitely been times take the final of Cub and the Caterpillar spoilers here just moot this for like the next uh, 30 seconds if you haven't <laughs> listened to it already um, but I fully went into the final battle with the thought of like this absolute Mooty could absolutely die here and but I was prepared for that as a player because I wanted to because I was like it felt narratively like that would be a just cost do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i was prepared to pay the cost of losing my character because we were doing what was right and what was fair and but we absolutely, absolutely thought i think both me and Nazi thought uh, <laughs> we are going in here and we that this might be it you know what i mean we really thought it this, almost was. And it almost absolutely. was there was a moment there it got real sketchy <laughs> well the more the more the characters are invested like the more the players are invested at the table this kind of like investment and immersion piece the more they care about their characters and the more which is one of the other pillars the, the more they are like are invested in the relationship that the, mm. the the party has together. Like I think about one of our recent Blackwater sessions, we were going into this really big battle with the Raven Queen, actually, um, and just with the Raven Queen, just, just with casually, the Raven just Queen, just with the Raven Queen. Like we're going yeah. to the big battle, just with the God. It's fine. Don't worry about just it. Anyway, with, a, with a very, very begrudged, very, very angry, uh, partially dead goddess. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a fun time. That'll be fine. Super that'll fine. Be fine. And we we were like, okay, we have we can't kill her, so we have to banish her and we were going to try and banish her to the negative energy plane and we have a half-assed plan that we don't know if it's going to work but we're going to try our best real familiar I, I feel like I relate <laughs> there's to narrative that. threads but, everywhere yeah <laughs> I think all campaigns have the same stuff running through them in some just, the, no, just more the idea of going in with a really half-assed plan yeah. being like to banish someone <laughs> to, to banish, banish someone, someone really yeah. rings a bell <laughs> well and yeah. there was like so there was myself as the cleric as uh, as Nepi our other cleric Kokani and uh, an NPC uh, high priest who had come with us because we needed three clerics to be able to cast like our version of we have power word banish is a is a Ooh, spell okay. in our campaign. Oh, wow. um, okay, very cool. So it requires an item and it requires like it essentially drains all of your magic above third level to be able to cast it. Whoa. Um, yeah. So and you have to have at least a certain number of spell slots available. Otherwise, it does like ten d ten damage to you, and it's like it's it's oh, nuts. Um, so you know, my cleric had uh, Nepi had to you know anchor her into the negative energy we had to open the rift anchor her in there uh you know kokani was going to try and you know push her back into the rift and then we had to seal the rift again um so we knew in this battle that there was something bad was going to happen like somebody was going to die in this battle when you have the you know former goddess of the the transitionary moment between life and death you're like somebody's going to die 
mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. in this fight. When someone's got to get close enough to push the goddess, exactly. That's a concern yes. for me. Yeah. That'd be yes. like, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't think any of us want to do that because whoever's doing that, there's, well, a, there's, a, there's a possibility. We, there's a we strong didn't really have a choice because we kind of let her out by accident. Right. She was, yeah, yeah. Sure, okay. we let her out. It was a yeah. bad. It was a bad. Oopsie. It was a bad. Was a, it was an oopsie. That was a whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> it was a whoopsie. Um, was so, the goddess just in there? Did we? We didn't, didn't, she didn't just did she just run out of the door? Oh, we just kind of well, it was okay. just problems with banishment could be a sub- subtitle of of the <laughs> Blackwater campaign. Wait, we, we don't need to cry about uh, we don't need to cry over spilled goddesses. It's no, just, certainly it's just not. Um, yes. So you know, I think about the session just before we had that fight. Is all of our characters were like essentially like making wills, and we're like, okay, if we die. If our and we did this like as our characters. So if like if we die, what happens? You know, like we have to create contingency plans for ourselves. So like you know, like uh, I think one of my you know Nepi had was like to our our wizard Yana was like you have there is a letter on my desk in my room that is my will. You know where it is, um, and if you, you can't get my body back, Carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's okay. Because I was like, if I get sucked into the negative energy plane, I'm not coming back. So you have to be, we have to be okay mm. with that. And so I think that the more, the higher the immersion and the investment in the characters, as well as how long the campaign has been running, because how mm. long your campaign has been running, you get much longer attached. If you've only yeah. played two mm-hmm. sessions with this character, you're going to be less invested in their death than if you've played. Well, I think Blackwater, I've played 140 sessions as Nepi. Yeah, that's going to so sting. Like, that's going to real, really <laughs> and sting. she hasn't died yet. She's yeah. the only character at the table who hasn't Whoa. died yet. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. The high the priestess, going. The high priestess <laughs> of the goddess between life and, and the, the goddess of the moment between life and death. Only one who hasn't died at the table. Thank you so much. Um, amazing. <laughs> but, and then, you know, like, I think that also ties in is what you were saying, Jasper, about the DM culture. At the, about mm. death at the table, which is kind of like the mm-hmm. in-world culture of death piece. Because there's the DM culture, which is like some pl- DMs institute different rules about death. Like sometimes there's permadeath is the only option. Rolling death saves secretly is another one I've seen. Mm. There's a limited number of lives, rituals around resurrections and revivification. Um, some DMs are also just out for the TPK. So like that needs to be communicated yep. to the players before the, you play. And if the players consent to that, great. Awesome. Love that. Love, love, love that. Um, But there has, and there's also like, I even think about the expectations of the game itself. Like you have modules like Tomb of Annihilation or Curse of Mm. Strahd where you're like, someone's going to die. So someone's going to die Mm. and we have to be okay with that. And so people, the the PCs become to, or the players come to expect death more readily than other modules. 
in settings and modules and things like that. And I think like, yeah, if I was to do like a gothic horror noir setting, I would be like, look, people are going to, do you know what I mean? Like that, this is a part of the setting itself. It fundamentally mm-hmm. won't work as a setting, probably if you're all covered yeah. in plot armor and keep getting, you know what I mean? Or like, at least if you're not coming back in some slightly horrific way, right? Yeah. Just because that's Speaking what the setting, which, you know, calls uh, yeah. for, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think that was what, what even kicked off you, Emma, mentioning to me that you might want to be, uh, to talk about this topic, uh, was specifically when I, it was prompted by the Gotham horror noir campaign that oh, I've yeah. been running uh, where there's been more developments uh, but I've been talking oh about on the show <laughs> yeah. where one of the characters had died twice in like within three in-game weeks and his family was just like alright bro we, we had enough of this <laughs> and they sent him away and he had to bring in a new character who then died within I think two or three sessions oh my goodness <laughs> okay actually turned- this, is, this is I think we should get some advice from Emma on this one <laughs> when you have a player <laughs> yeah because I I want to point out as well this player is also the pc death that happened in my campaign that i just I spoke it. about it's the same dude <laughs> so when you have a player that has a particular propensity for <laughs> dying campaigns he's bringing in his third character <laughs> wow so he's two characters in my campaign with no other pc deaths what three three deaths in your campaign jeremy yeah like although the, the, i will say the second one the second one, or the third one at least, was pretty much unavoidable. Basically, I'll fourth, give a very, very you know. short version, but he, he, there was a vampire that was like one-on-one with him, oh, and no. the vampire, I basically was telling him just from a narration standpoint, I was like, oh yeah, she's going to like alter your memory using this device that she has, uh, so that you remember something different. And he's like, nah, man, let me roll for it. And I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, and he's like, let me try and resist it. And I don't think he realized that him resisting it and she could read minds meant that she would know that he had resisted it, which meant that he knew that she was trying to wipe his memory, which meant that he couldn't be allowed to leave. And so he was like, well, here's the worst part at the end of it. He's like, man, that was rough. Okay. Well, you know, when the agency brings me back and I was like, Oh, um, about that. Uh, (laughs) she's you, well, you were just assigned to this case and she's a suspect. And if you abruptly die shortly after investigating her, that's not going to look good. So you're uh, you're a vampire spawn now is the, is the long and short of it. Wow. Uh, she, so he has been since been brought back completely under her control. Yeah, uh, I think that's and, a that's a very adequate consequence for death. Yes, uh, yes <laughs> like, absolutely. I think that's at the end of the day, there has to be, you know, like we talk about narrative consequences for death you know the story changes the, the pcs are affected the world is affected in some way shape or form by this death but even mechanically i think that like adding in stuff around mm. death to make it more like stats crunchy could even be um you know like in i think in, in blackwater depending on how long you've been dead you come back with certain levels of exhaustion that take a long time to get mm. rid of um mm. so you know there's nothing you know killing a character in D is is you can come back with all your stats you look the same uh and you have all your stuff um mm-hmm. but there's nothing i i was joking with uh, i think tim and sean about this uh, who's another player at our table he's currently dming our like um the campaign that we've got going right now while tim and i are on uh, maternity leave is um nothing affects a player more than when you fuck with their stuff Mm. <laughs> like when you mess yep. with their stuff or how that they perfect look build. That, yeah, 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 that yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. build yeah so you you can there is ways to like mechanically or crunchily 
change stuff as yeah. a consequence to death. But I would say do so sparingly with mm. with like with care as well, because <clears throat> the player will have a difficult time with that. Likely. And hey, if you want a really easy version, you've got like things like the reborn, uh, mm -hmm. like the yeah. you know all of that UA stuff that just came out. That's a very yeah. simple way. Well, it's not and UA; it's official now. It's, it's official. Yeah. Yeah. Reborn yeah, is official. Richting's guide, um, and we actually did that with the very first cool. PC death. They were brought back as a reborn. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and and then actually, we, th that one feels a little less as a player. Your species or race stat, like race uh, abilities, are like secondary to your class ones. So I feel like that's for like a first death. That's probably not too painful in terms of the mm -hmm. crunchy removing of a bit. Like you, you do get some cool stuff in return being a reborn. Um, mm -hmm. So like it's it's not like you're losing. Every, you know what I mean? You're not losing like a yeah. whole bunch. So I feel and like that And they made that, could that be a... choice, really. It was like basically because it costs money to bring somebody back and yes. they are not that rich. Rather than trying to go to somebody powerful and go and go, I think, risk reincarnation or something like that. Ugh. They decided to mm. uh, have like somebody basically Frankenstein uh, bring them back. Yes. And that's how they ended up as a reborn. But the um, other thing I wanted to say is something that I've instituted just it's because of I think I mentioned it on uh, Blackwater is that. Um, because it became clear that like, oh, death is going to potentially be very frequent. Uh, I kind of made the rule that everybody gets one where like you could die and then be brought back and it's not going to have like lasting effects necessarily mm -hmm. on you, even though like what you have seen uh, in the great beyond might be quite disturbing. Uh, but on repeated deaths, uh, you start to gain like permanent Feet, like your your personality will start to change mm. oh, because yeah. like what you're seeing it's essentially giving you PTSD from what like the horrors that you're seeing mm. in the Shadowfell and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, it's like Cthulhu uh, mechanics almost. Like yeah, kind of. Yeah, and so yeah, over time your mental health starts to deteriorate if you keep dying and getting brought back. Absolutely, mm. and I think that that ties in really well to like. There's like when we talk about the in-world culture of death, there's like the DM culture about how, how the DM deals with death at the table. And there's mm. also like the narrative culture, like what is the in-world lore about death? Like how is death treated in your game by the, you know, various religions or the, you know, what is it? How do different races, backgrounds, classes deal with death? Are there clerics involved? How so? How much of an influence do the gods have on death? Like in mm -hmm. at Blackwater, our, something I love about the campaign is that are the gods are really close in our game mm -hmm. like we have two the two clerics in our uh our party are like the high priest and high priestess respectively of their religions so like there is a lot of talking to gods that happens a lot of the time um and not only that like the my grave cleric is like her religion deals with death that's just what they do so we talk mm -hmm. about death a lot and if the more you talk about death the more the or the, the closer it is the closer you know the, those that lore is about it the more your party is kind of steeped in it um not in a bad way just that they're 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 dealing with it on um a a level that is more tangible mm. than some parties who may not have that kind of tie to yeah to death otherwise um and then finally i think the last thing that really ties into death at the table is the outworld culture of death so we're talking about the players now and it's like because mm -hmm. cultural and cultural views and personal beliefs about death influence how we deal with death in rpgs mm -hmm. um you know our own views of death can even conflict with our characters um which can create like an, an uncomfy feeling of like dissonance that kind of cognitive mm -hmm. dissonance because grief is understood in a cultural context different folks deal with grief differently yeah very um, differently. so and it's so fascinating something that i just love is the fact that the the emotions and the things that we experience in a D, &D game 
or an approximation of things that we've felt in the quote unquote real world, but our brains can't tell the difference. The emotion that you feel like the sadness that I felt when my, the mother superior of, you know, my character's order of, of, um, priestesses was killed was that was real grief. Like there's, there is a video of me crying my eyes out on the internet (laughs) to prove that I am like, that's not, that's just me like fully, fully grieving Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. moment. So our brains can't tell the difference when we're that invested. Um, yeah, I, I always I always bang on about this, but there's a really cool like scientific. They basically scientifically worked out when studying the like uh, signals in the brain that like where your imagination is and your memories are exactly the same place in your brain. Absolutely. So literally, when you remember stuff that happened in D and D, your brain cannot. It's exactly the same as when you remember stuff in real life. I yeah. think that's so fucking beautiful like i really love that like it's It's so so cool like Mm. because then effectively what would happen is if uh, an alien was to come down and probe my brain then lamora canthus would a hundred percent be a real person who Mm -hmm. lived and died and do you know what i mean like that's so Mm -hmm. that's baller that's really cool (laughs) and then to like stack on top of that if you feel safe at your table Mm. if there is like a culture of emotional safety at your table um big feelings come through so much more saliently because Mm. you feel comfortable to feel vulnerable in front of these wonderful people that you play with and your dm and you can be in character about the death and what Um, a gorgeous thing that is because i think yeah quite often you don't even have that in real life like how many people can say that about like their family you know like it's kind of sad but like i don't know if i uh, could kind of sit and openly grieve and weep over a death in front of like some of my family members. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now because of D and I'd happily do it in front of some of my friends because I know that they <laughs> hold me and support me in that moment and be and give me that space. And do you know what I mean? So I feel like what an amazing thing to actually be able to do. You mm-hmm. know, because actually think for a lot of people you don't have that kind of support safety. or that kind of safety mm. in real life. It's, and it's hard to come by because it's a scary thing. I think because wh- there's a way of you with it being, again, going back to what we first talked about, with, with it being slightly removed, it gives you that freedom to kind of like ease yourself into it. It's like you're kind of lowering yourself into the pool as opposed to like jumping in it when, if it's something real life, it can feel like that. You know, it can feel very yeah. like it's just like a... Uh, what like it's so unexpected whereas like you said like getting to build the narrative understand the culture of death understand everything around it understand the scenario that you're in and the players it's like you get to just lower yourself in and and it's so it's such a cathartic and uh and shared experience that i think is Mm -hmm. so amazing something that's boggled my mind too is is you know we've so Blackwater started as a home game. Uh, we started playing on, you know, New Year's Eve 2017, 2018 as a, a fun one shot. And then we all loved it <laughs> so much that we were like, again, more, please. Um, so we just started doing that. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, we realized we had to start playing online because we couldn't play in person. And then we were just like, we should put this on the Internet. We should put this on the Internet. Let's put it on the Internet. So we were up <laughs> streaming on Twitch with like no preparation uh, and I am constantly shocked at the community that's built up around us, the like beautiful, wonderful gravel verse that has grown up around us. Um, we call our, our fans the, the gravel boys because um, they're named after some of the pets that are in our campaign. They're like rock goblins. They're great. Um, <laughs> we love, we love our, we love our gravel boys so much. Um, but the, like we've gone through some big, big character death moments 
on Mm. stream Mm. and to have our community there with us supporting us and also like feeling those feels right Mm. alongside us is is magical because we think we get attached like fans can really i mean boy it's like (laughs) that like oh yeah that one's a tough one because that one's i feel that's a whole different relationships ain't no joke (laughs) (laughs) yeah Well, I, mean, I think that's because, you know, not only do we see ourselves in the characters that we play, but the, you know, the folks who the joy, you know, the watching mm-hmm. the other characters play, you're like, oh, I see part of myself in there. And then when that character dies or something happens to that character, you're like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. no. Ooh, I have yeah. a story about this. Dish. I have a story about this from the I think it's from the 80s, because I think this is when this happened. Um, so the second Robin, Jason Todd, famously died. Uh, he was killed by the Joker. And there was at the time he w- had not been very, very popular, like in comparison to Dick Grayson. A lot of people had kind of hated Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. And so the the DC execs uh, or the editors were like, all right, cool. Let's give the potential for him dying. Let's offer that potential. But then we'll have the fans vote on it. And so it was like the tiniest of margins. It was a really like it was I think it was less than a thousand votes uh, uh, in favor of death. Like uh, the margin was less than a thousand. It was, I think, like possibly even less than a hundred and forevermore the writer has said every time like he like i think it was sometime after that some old guy he walks into a place and introduced himself and the guy's like hey and it's the guy that killed robin (laughs) and like all these people got really angry at him and were like yelling at him in the streets because it made the news like it was in the newspapers it was like robin is dead and like the country's like what how have they done why how could they do this people who have never read a comic like who only ever like watched the batman series in the 80s or the 60s are just like what is wrong with you how could you do this uh and it just shows that it shows like on a cultural level Mm -hmm. how much death can impact people who feel that they have a relationship Absolutely. Uh, to those, it's those characters. Ripples. It's those ripples. They ripple in as characters. They ripple out to the players, which ripples out to the table, which ripples out to the, if there's an outworld community uh, mm-hmm. that watches or engages with the game in some way, shape or form. Oh, I have a question actually, yeah. um, or, I, or a point that I wanted to underline and then a question, which is, I think one of the things that we've brought up a number of times that I just want to highlight again is it's very important if you are the DM to speak with your players ahead yes, of time yes, 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 before yes. instituting any sort of specific death mechanics or anything like that. Like for instance, the, the, the PTSD sort of mechanic that I yeah. was talking about, I talked with all of the players about ahead of time to be like, yo, are y'all, y'all cool with this? And like, they could have said, they could have said no, and we just wouldn't have done it. Mm. Uh, but uh, on that note, Emma, what do you think about when players and DMs conspire to have their character killed Ooh. without telling the rest of the party? Because I've heard of this happening. Yes, Ooh. I have too. And I think that there it can be it can be a very appealing option. I think if as a you know as a player, if you want to play a different character, you I, th- I think what I would advise against is be careful about trying to force meaning. Uh, mm. at the table um because if if it if it's forced it'll feel forced um because when D happens you know when that storytelling when you're when you're in flow when you're jiving with your character when you're jiving with the other players and everything is firing on all cylinders um there's like stages of group dynamics um and there's like uh forming storming norming performing uh which is like the four stages of of Uh, group development Um, when you're in that performing realm Mm. and you try and force something 
you move backwards. Everyone feels it. Everyone, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't jive with everything at the table because it's not organic. Um, mm. So I would say just be careful about it and try and mm. try not force a mean, a, a moment to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, there's likely another, another way to have meaning. And if you really want your character, if you really don't want to play that character anymore, maybe death isn't the way out. Mm. Um, maybe you could, you know, maybe they retire. Maybe they go on a, a different quest. Maybe they're, they're pulled in a different direction. Um, they don't necessarily have to die for their, for their, them leaving to be important. That's yes. what I would suggest. And I, I would also like to throw out here as a potential caution as well. It's like, do not underestimate how much other people in the party might like that character and love yes. that character. And mm-hmm. to the lengths they will go to ensure that character doesn't die. <laughs> unless yeah, you're to try and get them back. Exactly. Unless your DM is going to super railroad that moment. I know for a fact, I as a player would be combing through Every if if like a player just died, do you know what I mean? Like something happened and they just straight up died. I would be coming through every mechanic in the every book. I'd be going through homebrew stuff just to see if there was any possible way I could save them. And like, let me tell you, I'm gonna find a way. Like, Absolutely. so like, do you know what I mean? As like a DM and a, and a player, like you've got to be ready for that. You've yeah. got to be ready that in the moment, like this big grand thing is gonna happen, and then the cleric should be like, no, no, I cast revivify. They're fine. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, that's going to happen. And then you're going to be going to be like, uh, but and even, no. I even think of moments without death when the character's like wants to, you know, when the character wants to leave. I think there was a moment in uh, in Blackwater where one of our, our warlock, um, Finnan, who is Adam's character, who he played after Torin, was like, I don't know if I can be with the party anymore because we'd had this big dilemma come up. You know, we had, there was uh, a Duragar who had might have seen something and we were like discussing the moral ethics of killing him. And it was like, it was huge. It's now referred to as the Duragar dilemma. It's one of like the biggest <laughs> moments in our campaign around death, of course. Um, but, you know, like he was like, I don't know. He was on one side of the decision and a couple of the party members were on the other side. He's like, I don't know if I can be with the party anymore. And we weren't sure if that was like what was going on with Finn. And so we like scale a full scale intervention. We're like, we care about you. We're your family. You got to be here. Like, this is important. You can't just wander off and martyr. Like you can't just go like it. So mm-hmm. I think that there, there are lengths that these, you know, the players and the, the characters will go to, to maintain the party because the party doesn't feel whole. If mm. one person is missing, mm. um, there's always there's always going to be a space. And that's whether that space comes from a party member leaving or a party member dying. You have to honor the space. However, that is however yes. that comes to be, because um, if you don't, it it just feels false. It feels wrong because mm. um, that player's absence has ripples. Yeah. yeah, I have. I'm I'm very conscious of the time, and I yes. honestly feel like I could talk to you forever, Emma. This is such an <laughs> amazing conversation. I'm really loving it. Um, but I have one last little question uh, before we do a, a tale from the table, which Absolutely. is just I'm very interested to know about the tone because you said you t- you touched on cultural the culture of death within a game, yeah. and I'm interested just like in terms of like you know when you. Um, it, is it driven by the players? It, can it be driven by the DM when it comes to like how death is treated of just like random NPCs? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like just and like monsters and or like or like real world creatures and because you know at the beginning you often will fight like a bear. You know what I mean? Yep. Like if you're level mm-hmm. one, you might fight a bear or something. And I'm just interested, or you might just fight like 
guards, nameless guards, right? Yes. And nameless just, guard one through seven. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and and I'm and I'm kind of curious. How do you ride the line? Because it's always fun to do the. You know, there's always like a moment. I feel like in most campaigns where. Uh, you know, you'll suddenly see Guard Six's wife and child crying uh, yeah. later the day. Yes. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, there's always his a- name was Alexander. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they suddenly, you know, you you have you set up like a trust fund for Alexander. It's a whole part of the campaign. But like, I'm just wondering what the where the level is for you in that. Does that come out of a conversation with the players? Is that come out of a com- does that is that something that you as the DM might be like? This is the setting. Like, so this is the way we treat death here, and this is murder is very very common or it's just it doesn't happen like yeah how does that work I think it's both I think it comes out of like when you start the you know when you start the campaign talk to your players about um, what the cult, like the culture of death is, what is, what is like, you know, in our, as I was saying in our campaign, you know, with, with Nepi being part of the party, she has some very staunch views about what death is like, like what death is supposed to be like. Um, Mm. so that has obviously permeated into the party. Um, but that's also a conversation that happens with the DM. Like, you know, when I wanted to play a grave cleric, I, I'm just using this as an example, but like, I wanted to play a grave cleric and Tim was like, cool, what's your religion like? So mm. I just craft like, you know, Tim as the DM gave me free reign to craft what Nepenthe's entire religion was like. So I was like, awesome, great. So I've, you know, <laughs> built this entire religious history of this, you know, how death works and... I think it's a it's a blend between what the players do with the mm. with how they approach death and what the what the DM has set the lore or the narrative around death because if you know if you've got a if you've got a party where um uh where death is is kind of like eh, whatever we kill anything we want to and nothing mm. really stands in our path like is does the DM have some consequences for that, or do the gods notice? Uh, mm. Do they get noticed by local authority? Like what? What? Ha- like what is the lore in game about it? Um, and then I think it's a co-creation between mm. how the players respond to that. It's bi-directional. I think it goes back and forth. Like how does the DM mm. respond? Then how do the the players respond? Um, yeah. And it's I think it's got it, you've got to work together yeah. on it. And then I think what happens then is the longer you play that campaign, the longer you sit with those characters they begin to start creating their own rules about mm. death um mm. so like the i was talking about the the Duragar dilemma that was nothing to do with tim that was nothing to do with our the dm that was entirely party created that was a party mm. created problem that we needed to solve so because we hadn't we as a party now have our own you know r- rules or views on death so what what starts as a co- conversation between the dm and the party will then essentially move to sit on the shoulders of the party and the DM can kind of just sit back and let them deal with the consequences For sure. of what happens. Yeah, For sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely bring it up because I know, Jeremy, we had a... That was a whole thing for us when we started Wagadu because the culture of death and like killing like, animals very specifically yeah. like is a very... is very, very different to core D&D and I remember it yes. being like... Yeah. That was like a... You know, that was a real like ride or die like learn the consequences uh, the hard way yep. moment for... <laughs> <laughs> for us um 
and and like I, I so I do think that is a very fascinating thing, and I hadn't really considered the consequences of what that might look like in a in mm-hmm. a in a in a game mm. before. The idea of playing a D and D game where death had such you know like even yeah. the smallest of most innocent deaths could have such grave consequences. Yes. Um, in that we killed a fish and it resulted in Mooty's hands and uh, arms and teeth being taken away from him. Like, do you yes. know what I mean? So like, it, and it, mm. it was really amazing, kind of experiencing like right how do we now negotiate this world because my D language <laughs> up till now is fireball helps party survive you know what i mean yes. and this fireball situa- I cures think- everything yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i i think mooty cast fireball one time after that like literally <laughs> like it was like it was a dead partially on himself and exactly yeah uh, centered on himself i remember that episode i remember listening <laughs> to that episode yeah exactly so yeah. yeah it's a it's it's definitely a whole thing um, well i even i even think about like in in our campaign we had a necromancer um, so we have the, Woo. you know, the high priestess of the goddess between of the moment between life and death, who is like no one dead, never. That is bad. Ooh. And then mm-hmm. you also have a necromancer in the party. So that's something that had yeah. to be worked out. But, it, you know, death has affected our campaign so much that our, our wizard now is like, I don't know if necromancy is for me mm. anymore. Mm. So, she, know you know, she's she's moving subclasses like they're now Tim and um Jen, who plays Yana, um, are, you know, creating their own subclass of, we're calling it an ether wizard. So she's like touched into like the life force and the drive of everything in the universe. Um, And she can see the threads of connection between everything and manipulate them. So that's Mm. kind of how her necromancy has changed based on the way that death has affected her in the campaign. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like I had to give some sort of nod to the, I feel like I have to mention uh, my apparent now affiliation with necromancy and necromancers. Uh, All the fun after, spells are necromancy. So. Yeah, it's like now I, it, Jeremy, I, people tag me and stuff now. Like someone on Instagram found some like cute <laughs> stickers that were like uh, like a necromancer's kit. They were like cute stickers with like a little dead hand and like, but they were really like these cute and someone tagged me like, we need to get these for Jasper, I was like, "Oh no, that's amazing! This has really become a thing. This is your new thing. <laughs> puts the fun back in funeral. Am I right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Jasper that's Cartwright amazing. puts the fun back in funeral. Jeez, that's bad. <laughs> that's a bad tagline. <laughs> Jasper Casket right. That's, what that's good. That's I'm good. changing it. That's I'm changing that on Twitter right now. Um, uh, but actually, one last thing was on the subject of Wagadu that in the very finale episode of this first season, mm-hmm. death ended up becoming an un- yeah. Uh, well, death be- ended up becoming an unexpectedly big part of that episode. I don't know if you've listened to it, Emma. So I will. I have. Good. Okay, you have. I'm oh, caught yes. up. Of course I'm caught up. The, the, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, my favorite guest. Uh, the, immediate, the immediate whiplash of going into that episode when we started that episode where Jasper and Unatu are both like, eh, it's going to be fine. Yeah, and then yeah, immediately was... it's like, okay, so let's find out who died. And they're both like, oh. Oh, uh, what? Yeah, oh, no, I just what? love that. Love that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. let's and let's roll for it. And your cons- your uh, you, what you do will have a direct impact on uh, how well they might roll, uh, and the yeah. way you plan for this battle will depend mm-hmm. on how well they rolled. And as suddenly yeah. as a as two people, be, like uh, I guess it was like Muti and Ongedagama realized what it was to be like a war general, you know, in that moment. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we looked around and went like, this was all because of a decision that we made. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that the so reason cool. then they ended up becoming so hell bent on fixing stuff and like 
fully taking time out, you know what I mean, from like their own lives to fix it, was because they were like, this can't have all been for nothing. We yes. can't just leave this now and for it to be for nothing because this was like because that and it was it was it was masterfully done by Jeremy, but that was heartbreaking. Like yeah. I was absolutely crushed after that episode. Mm. I was just because it really did. I was suddenly like the weight of it's 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 one thing to be in a battle where maybe three or four people like NPCs or something end up getting killed or whatever but generally you've done something you know if you're fighting a lich and you have like some guards that came with you and those guards get vaporized you kind of go well look we stopped the lich you know what i mean so ultimately yes. <laughs> we've probably done Priorities something here, you know what i mean yeah jasper the lich is probably going to end up being uh called um like you know we've we've we we realize that there are priorities in that scenario whereas this one was like I we got to, I got to the end I was like I really hope we did the right thing like this is yes could we like and I was suddenly like could we have done this differently like could we have avoided full scale like we were so we just and it, it, it like that and I think this is probably a great way to bring this kind of conversation like full circle it's such a great way to give your players that moment of consequences and meaning and shared feeling because it, it just suddenly meant so much more that yes. we were like we are entirely responsible for every single one of these deaths yep. on both mm. sides yep do you know what i mean and there's only one that i'm i was i actually want there's only one we wanted you know what i mean mm. there was only one person that we actually needed oh to get God, rid you're of speaking my language right do you now know what I mean? I, yeah. and it was just That's, like yeah it was uh, yeah, like a real, it was a real heavy moment. It was a real heavy moment. And even the way you talk about it, you talk about it as if it happened 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. right. Like it sits, it sits right there and it will always be that close because that's, yeah. that's the emotion that's tied to it. That's how well, I, I, I'm very excited so cool. to see what, what kind of Mooty we meet in, uh, in season two because I don't Ugh. know how that's going to have affected him. You know, mm -hmm. him as a Daima has a very close relationship to death. That's the yes. whole religion. A again, you know, Adessa is the is the goddess of of, of death, and uh, and it's seen as a, a, a in in a lot of Daima culture, it's seen as a good thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But Muti didn't feel like that was a good thing, you know, in that yeah. moment, and that was like, and that changed world's views for Muti in that moment. Like, yeah. it's a, I feel it like Muti and Nepi need to sit down and have a conversation about how they deal with death. <laughs> oh my god, like what, a cr what a crossover! <laughs> I would, love a I would love like a like little meet in a tavern, like a little yeah. like yeah. meet in a tavern one shot of Muti and Nepi oh. just like meet in a multi multiverse tavern, just sitting yeah. and talking about. We gotta death. get we gotta so, get Andrew to come and run. What is it? The inn at the edge of Greenwood with all of the different yes. characters showing up, oh my just God. hanging out and talking about their experiences with death. Such anytime, a wonderful anytime. concept. Anytime, yeah. <laughs> and as a little as a little teaser taster, uh, the, the upcoming season, which we're recording now, uh, death is uh, I would say a prominent theme. Oh my. Word. Of that season as well. Oh my word! We are. <laughs> wait. We are currently four. Uh, I will give you this. We are four episodes in to recording, and I have feared for my character's life every single episode, multiple times <laughs> in the episode. I think D and D should feel deadly. Things it doesn't necessarily hard. have to be deadly, but it should feel deadly. Yes. Oh, this is yes. this is this is just straight up deadly. It's just I, deadly. No Love way. It. Love this it. This is like uh, we were like. There was a moment in the last one we were like that could have if she'd have just rolled differently that was just it 
What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Run! <laughs> like, that a, yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> that was not fun. That was not fun. Oh, man. Uh, Emma, please uh, take us home in this episode. Please, if you could, we always ask our guests to offer up a tale from the table. It can be anything, any wild um, moment that sticks in your mind. Uh, for It can be an emotional, sad thing. It could be an amazing, empowering thing. It could be something that's just so wildly silly uh, that is stuck in your brain uh, but anything you'd like please share it with us and our audience okay uh, so we were uh, that lich that I was talking about before so he was trying to um, this happened very early in our streamed game so it is there is it on the internet and you can go watch it uh, watch it unfold mm-hmm. um, so we were really trying hard to, you know, he was trying to rip open uh, a tear from the abyss and bring Thara's Dune back. That was his big, that That's was bad. his big push. Very bad. bad. Very, very bad. I mean, bad. Lich and is it was already like, bad. Thara's Dune. <laughs> a, packed, okay. a packed Lich of Thara's Dune. So it was my, you know, Nepi's, Nepi's goal was to stop this. That was her prophecy. That was like her, her whole thing was to go do this. So we go to this, you know, old uh, city um, called Bacall and uh, we realized we were outnumbered and outgunned. Um, so one of the biggest moments I think in our campaign that is currently still having ripples is we contacted the Raven Queen because um, she had beef with Thera's Dune because Thera's Dune ordered to have her killed. Um, and this was like a, in a war that had between the gods that had happened thousands of years ago. So my so Nepi had a moment with the Raven Queen where she's like communing with her and the Raven Queen was like, I will help you, but you all owe me fealty. One thing that I will call you for and I thought about it for a moment and Nepi said yes. And it had huge ripple effects within the party. The party was furious with her. Um, it affected her relationship with her husband. It was like, it was nuts. So we go to the Whoa. city where we're going to fight this, this lich. And just before we get out into like the main courtyard square, we hear like the sky goes black and we hear this cacophonous sound of ravens pelting down Whoa. from the sky and just massacring everything <gasps> like the, all of the like the thralls and the cultists and there were some giants that were helping us they died too oh. all beca- and so massacred just absolutely massacred and so we ended up fighting this lich and uh when that was happening so the oh, you know nepenthe's husband kokani her his dad was like a top henchman of, of this packed lich and he ended up killing his dad which was so theatrical and amazing and in the last moment we had to go seal the rift so Nepi was going to have to banish Thera's Dune was like clawing his way through oh. and Nepi Nepi oh, was man. like okay I have to do this I have to do this right now so she's standing at the edge of the rift um, our wizard was dead our paladin had the choice to like was right there and so Nepi shoves her gun because in our world clerics use guns um, or the Ooh. only are the only class that can use guns because they're holy weapons because they're charged with shards of gods anyway so she, cool. puts, she puts her gun in her kokanee's hand she says goodbye and she steps into the rift so she steps into the abyss she banishes Thara's Dune manages to chain him down and then the abyss starts closing the rift starts closing so our paladin in that moment had to choose go into the rift to save you know Callie our paladin had to go into the rift to save Nepi or go revivify our wizard so she made the right choice and she went to go revivify Yana the wizard so then in like the last turn before the 
rift closes our other wizard letters who's a, a war wizard he so nebby's in the abyss she's like getting pulled further and further away letters casts bigby's hand in the Ooh. abyss Whoa. and backhands Neppy out of the <laughs> rift. <laughs> so he had to roll for it to see if like a roll an arcana check to see if his like spell could work. And I had to like choose to fail the strength save. And I remember Tim asking me, do you choose to fail the, fail the strength? I was like, yes, of course I choose Obviously. to fail the strength. <laughs> no, I so resist. I got back, so Neppy got backhanded through the, uh, the rift. Uh, caught by our uh, war wizard and the rift closed and we wow. are still dealing with the ramifications of what happened with the raven queen needless to say she's pissed um so we're still Whoa. dealing with that and uh yeah that's my that's my wild story of getting backhanded out of the abyss listen Emma, we are we are big fans of a good backhand on this right? show as you a know necessary as backhand you, uh, out necessary of the abyss. backhands are always good uh lou wilson the 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 child some of the og backhands in the <laughs> one of my favorite moves ever still yes. multiple times still so funny um wow listen if that was not a good enough trailer to go listen to Blackwater D and D, then I don't know what is because I I got I got gassed and chills about that. So Thank I'm you like, so much. okay, we we got to go check out some Blackwater D and D, and I'm going to urge all the halflings to do the same. Um, Thank you. So where can we find Blackwater D and D? Where can we find you and all of your amazing work? Please. Plug the hell out of yourself right now. Well, Let's thanks. I first want to say this has been just such a treat. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll come back anytime. Um, yes. So yeah, I'm Emma. I'm Emma Carlson. Um, I uh, you can find me on Twitter at emm underscore Carlson. Um, I am also on there at Blackwater D and D, which is our our Twitter handle. We're also on Instagram as Blackwater D and D. Um, so you can find us on Twitch Saturday nights at eight PM Pacific Standard Time. All of our backlog is on YouTube. Everything is there. Um, we're running a mini campaign right now which is set in the actual like what happens after this town of Bacall was completely wiped out so we're, we're kind of seeing the ramifications it's called the Dresda mm. Files uh, please go watch it and please go watch all the back stuff on YouTube um, we're there every Saturday night so yeah that's that's me and that's my show I love it very much absolutely amazing thank you so much this has been an, a, such an amazing conversation I feel what like yeah. thank you yeah and like just such a smattering of amazing little tit stories from tables and just mm -hmm. oh, so so good um, we're definitely going to have to get you back on I think we may have already uh, had a, maybe a little idea about something we're going to do uh, for a future app um, so, so. Uh, we are definitely mm -hmm. going to we're definitely going to do that because that's going to be a whole lot of fun um, but Thank you so much for joining us. This has been incredible. Uh, if you are just finding us and just listening to us for like the first time, uh, you can find uh, more of us on the social medias at TB Halflings. Uh, you can also head over to our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash TB Halflings. We have a bunch of extra goodies if you enjoyed this. Um, I think that's about everything. And I would like to say... Thank you once again, to Emma. Please check out Blackwater D&D. And we will see you very, very soon. So long, Shire Bye. folks. So long, Shire folk.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.